Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Get this turned down. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy A Double, and you're now tuned in to episode 128 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Uh, sorry for the wait, but a Negro has been on vacation uh, for the last week. I've been up chilling at the lake up in uh, up in Yankton, South Dakota, uh, with my lady and her people. Uh, had a cabin on the lake, uh, just hanging out with my nephews. You know, chilling on the little uh on the beaches you know all around the lakes and stuff like that and hooping a little bit and uh you know we had a uh, a wave runner you know for a day uh, that was cool that was that was like riding a bike uh you know so i was zooming across the lake you know between the the lake is right on the um, right on the uh state lines between nebraska and south dakota so i was zooming you know towards nebraska and zooming back towards south dakota just you know doing going about 55 you know on the wave runner so that was that was fun that was fun i would uh, it made me definitely think about emptying out my savings account and buying a wave runner and uh just driving that bitch in my pool just going in a circle <laughs> doing like two miles an hour but it was relaxing much needed uh it's been a very stressful time uh just you know on my side of the family just with my uh my uncle passing and things like that so it was nice to just kind of you know just kind of get away from everything and just kind of you know just kind of cool out for a whole week and disconnect from the internet and you know and i i was reading um i was reading a book uh, it's called This Nonviolent Stuff Will Get You Killed. And this is a great book. Um, let's see here. Give me just a second here. Uh, by Charles Cobb. And this was a great book. Um, I think I got like uh, maybe like 40 pages left to read because I was I was getting through it. I, I got it through a good chunk of it. But so basically... Um, what this book is about is about armed resistance uh, and how guns made the civil rights uh, possible. Uh, great book. Um, it uh, it uh, really just kind of opened my my third eye or whatever you want to say. Just kind of blew my mind just hearing stories about different people and uh, also even in the uh, notes on the back, it, it uh, talked about how Dr. King kept that burner on him too and uh how a reporter went to his house to interview him and he was about to sit on a couch and uh sit on a sofa not a couch but or like a chair like a wingback chair or something and dr king told him you know don't sit there there's a pistol up under there and you know a lot of these civil rights leaders had you know a, a, a pistol on them or they had like rifles and shotguns in every corner of the room and it was for protection and, you know, a lot of times you only hear about the deacons of defense. Well, you barely hear about that. Most people who are, I hate using the term woke, but socially conscious and know their history, or I should say history buffs, know about the deacons for defense and um, know about the brother Robert Williams. And I talked about him before, um, who was the head of an NAACP chapter and how he, you know, kept that thing on him and believed in armed and resistance. Uh, and he was actually a hero to uh, other countries. Uh, just how he took up against uh, how he took up arms against you know white supremacists here and white extremists, and um, you know it, it told stories about uh, Medgar Evers and his brother, and uh, how his brother was about that life. Medgar Evers' uh, brother, I forgot the, the the older brother's name, but he was about that life. He kept that thing on him, and uh, their daddy was about that life too, and uh, he he wasn't with the shits at all. Um, so it's a very great book and it talks about uh, 
uh, Fannie Lou Hamer's mama. She was about that life. Uh, people uh, used to talk about Megger Evers' daddy and and uh, Fannie Lou Hamer's mama, respectively. Uh, you know, in their and they lived in you know uh, southern white towns, but they used to call them crazy Negroes because they didn't take no shit off of white folks. Uh, Megger Evers' uh, daddy, he wouldn't get off the sidewalk for white folks when they were coming his way. He would look them dead in the face. Um, he just was with the shits always. Um, so they they were scared of him because he wasn't scared of them. So they just pawned him off as crazy. And it's the same with uh, Fannie Lou Hamer's uh, mama and uh, uh, Mrs. Hamer. Uh, she used to walk around with two buckets and then a skillet on her head. And in one of the buckets, she used to keep a handgun in there. She used to keep a little pistol in there just in case, you know, white folks wanted to pop off. And I guess she wore the skillet as, you know, protection or some shit like that to protect her cranium or something. But she would always have like a pot or a skillet on top of her head and a couple of buckets she would be walking with. And a handgun would be in one of them buckets. And uh, she went and seen a white man who was uh, who threatened her by saying that he was going to like rape her niece or something like that. And she went there and uh, she, she gave that man a fight. And he just pawned her off as crazy because you have to be out your mind to challenge a white person in those times. But it's a very good book. Um, it also talks about, um, you know, the brother Tariq. Now, she uh, has a um, he has a R&B group out called Mink Slide, him and some Russian cat. Um, and it's doing well on the billboard. Shout out to him. And the group is called Mink Slide. And uh, that was actually named after a town. It's actually in the book. In this book, it talks about an incident where um it was a black area i don't know if it's south carolina it's somewhere uh, it's a black area they called it the bottom aka mink slide it was just a black area a black business area and um uh it was a black woman who wanted her radio repaired by a white um owner or whatever of a shop you know uh, a little gear shop or whatever and the policy was that you know if they repaired it if you didn't pick it up within 30 days they would just resell your items or whatever resell whatever it was and so they ended up reselling her radio and she went down there made a fuss and uh they actually went and got the radio back and then um they tried to sell it to her sell it back to her at more than the cost of the repair and she wasn't gonna pay it and her son came down there uh you know with there to back up his mama and uh you know they were talking greasy and i think uh one of the white owners or workers in there pushed the sun and uh some somehow the sun got one of the white workers through a plate glass window and then the mama grabbed a piece of uh glass and tried to cut somebody or she did cut somebody and they was just down there banging and then all of a sudden it just erupted into a, a pretty much a race war like white folks was coming down there um you know trying to start some shit but it was armed black people up on the uh the buildings of mink slides and black businesses and um they shot out the lights the black folks did so they wouldn't see uh the white folks wouldn't see them up on the roofs and then the cops came down there uh trying to start some shit or the black folks i know the black folks thought that them was some uh some night riders aka clansmen coming down there and they unloaded and they killed some cops down there too along with some night riders so that's where that uh brother Tariq got that name mink slide from um but it's a very good book uh, i'll probably try to finish it up sometime this week uh i got a bunch of notes in there um there's a case of uh systemic racism like the first case of systemic racism uh back in like 1619 uh when it was like three people who got um arrested and then they were taken to trial you know for trying to start a little revolt and this is when they still had indentured servants uh white folks serving indentured servitude doing indentured servitude and um it was a, a dutchman i believe and an irish guy and a, and a, and a black dude and they just had him listed as negro and his name was something punch his last name was punch and so the dutchman and the irishman i could be getting the nationalities wrong but they got extended sentences for their servitude which was like four to seven years or something tacked on to what they were already going to do and the black man punch mr punch he actually got sentenced to uh life for uh being a slave or some shit like that so that was like the really the first case of seeing like some systemic legal racism 
going on. But y'all really need to check that book out. It's called This Nonviolent Stuff Will Get You Killed. It's by Charles E. Cobb and how guns made the civil rights movement possible. So it's a very, very good book, an easy read, and the stories will kind of captivate you and keep you kind of pulled in. There's really not no dull or gray areas where you're just like, God damn, is this chapter about to end? It, the stories really will uh, pull you in. And again, it's by Charles E. Cobb, and it's called This Nonviolent Stuff Will Get You Killed, How Guns Made the Civil Rights Movement Possible. So... Let's go ahead and get started on that good old summer damn jam screen. Um, last night, uh, Monday night, the Trayvon Martin documentary uh, came on and I managed to make it home in time off my route to uh, catch it. Uh, the wife had it on DVR, but we were able to catch it live. Um, man, that was tough to watch. It was very tough to watch to see the pain uh from sabrina and from trayvon's father uh, it was just it was tough and then to hear him screaming in the background with those 911 calls it just just took me out it just took all the air up out of me but i guess it's going to be some kind of mini series on paramount and bet um it was tough to watch there was no new information that came out um but it was just tough hearing that pain uh, from those parents that, that was difficult very difficult to watch um, I, I, I'm gonna try to finish the series but y'all forgive me if I can't uh, finish the series because it's just it's just that pain is just it hits too close to home it's uh, you get tired of seeing it and um, it's just it's just too much at times you know it's just you just feel your heart breaking all over again and with the death of Trayvon may he rest in peace um, that's what really changed social media, especially Twitter. I remember uh, people in Florida was actually kind of tweeting about it a little bit. And then all of a sudden it started to gain legs. And then actually the outrage of people. And then, um, you know, uh, with Benjamin Crump, the civil rights attorney and his team of attorneys actually bringing it to light through traditional media, you know, uh, through newspaper articles and uh, getting on Al Sharpton's show on CNBC or is it MSNBC? I can't remember. One of them NBC uh, affiliates, uh, branches of uh, NBC. And, uh, you know, that's when people were just like, yo, what the fuck is going on down here? And that's when you really learned about that stand your ground law. And, uh, and But that's what really kind of changed the tide and people just started kind of waking up and uh just kind of stepping back and being like yo maybe i can't you know get all these goddamn jokes off and start you know you know bullshitting on here and it just really twitter became very informative um you know people started gaining a lot of followers by you know tweeting out injustices or tweeting about laws and uh you know social media was actually used in a way to link up and keep others informed it wasn't just about getting these jokes off new music trying to collect some nudes sending nudes trying to get flown out somewhere and get your back blown out or get your balls licked you know it was just really about it being social and linking up and being the new media you know because now you look at traditional media like um television uh magazines radio uh newspapers they all get their information from people on social media as it's happened because it happens just so quick and uh those ways are pretty much outdated except for television but even though with television the news you know comes on you know what here in the midwest you know at five six and ten o'clock you know what i'm saying a lot can happen between those times so they're even trying to get out here and tweet about stuff and you know they're combing through different tweets and seeing you know what's happening out here but you know it also gives you a true sense of the story of what happened because now you can find witnesses through hashtags and things like that uh when an injustice happens and you know you don't believe you know how the media you know misinforms you and paint the narrative in a way where you know they will retain viewers you know and push their own agenda you just kind of get that raw uncut this is exactly what happened and you know cell phones are getting better and gotten better 
and you essentially got a you know a camera and a video camera right there in your hand so you can record and upload just like that with a fast internet connection with these uh lte speeds which is 4g and they're about to even get me fast get even faster with 5g coming up uh, pretty damn soon and it's just going to be at the blink of an eye now it's just pretty much it's going to be amazing as far as uh internet speeds go on your uh, tablets smartphones you know whatever the fuck you want to call them phablet can i say one thing i'm glad that uh phablet really didn't make it into the lexicon like folks thought it would y'all remember when uh when apple first dropped the uh what was it the six plus is that the first one that that big ass phone or was it the five plus i don't know but whenever apple dropped that big ass iphone the plus whatever it is that's when people were starting samsung dropped them 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 galaxy tablet phones or whatever and uh folks were like at kiosks i remember at the target mobile kiosk they'd be like oh have you checked out this new phablet and it's just like nah son that ain't gonna catch on and i'm glad it did not but yeah like i was saying that's just when everything changed with his death and um you know this man is still walking around george zimmerman is still walking around and you know uh this story is resurfacing since uh you know this documentary aired about him stalking the private investigator that was working on uh that was working with um the company jay-z's company that uh produced this uh documentary and uh you know people are bringing up his history and uh but one thing that did come out though Uh, that I did not know is that George Zimmerman was known for calling the police on little black kids in that uh, gated community and with this gated community down there in Florida so uh, during the housing crisis a lot of those houses foreclosed and so a lot of those banks just kind of turned it into public housing so section a housing and so you still had some people who had enough money to survive the uh, housing crisis until the market kind of you know came back to where it needed to be and uh but here you got this influx of poor people on uh you know section eight or public housing whatever they call it um you know coming in and living in these houses right next door to these people who done paid you know hundreds of thousand dollars for these houses and you have these people low-income people living right next door so they started up a neighborhood watch and uh you know george zimmerman who wanted to be a police officer uh here he is wanting to be the head of it and he's walking around you know with a pistol on his hip and all he did was call the cops that's all he did he was talking about he called the cops for children playing in the street and then on the 911 call when they told him that he don't need to follow Trayvon he was just talking about uh these fucking assholes they always these guys they always get away and all this shit like that so he hunted that child down and murdered him in cold blood that's exactly what happened um but that damn stand your ground law or the I'm white and I say so you know they just took his word for it because Trayvon is dead you can't you know you can't a dead man can't speak you know a dead child can't tell any tales so they just they just took his word for it and then lo and behold he just got off you know but it just showed but people have been going into uh like I, let me stick to the point going into zimmerman's history of domestic violence uh you know got in a fight outside of a cigar bar and then y'all remember the time that he was selling confederate flag paintings then he even auctioned off the gun that he killed trayvon martin which was was just the epitome of disgusting and i don't know who the fuck bought that pistol but that is a sick individual who bought it it's a sicker individual who sold it and so people start bringing up all this old stuff about him and how he's a piece of shit um but you you really didn't learn anything new that was the only thing that i learned new was uh that it was a mix of you know well-to-do folks or upper middle class and then you had an influx of people who were on public housing um but you know george zimmerman thought he was an honorary white person and he still i guess he still is uh you know he's a hero to most uh white supremacists and uh coons alike but you know you didn't learn too much but i'll see what i'll I'll check out the second episode and see uh what's what's actually going on 
Um, let's move on though. Uh, let's move on because I feel myself getting a little down talking about that. Uh, what's going on with your girl Monique? I was gonna have her hold this L, but uh, Dak Prescott was like, "Hold on, Monique, I got this." <laughs> but uh, Monique, uh, she went on a local LA TV news station uh, a couple days ago, and she defended Roseanne. Now I've been one of the only people. You know, with a platform to defend Mo, you know, before and after that Breakfast Club interview. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I felt where she was coming from. I listened to her podcast and, you know, uh, and how they told their side of stories and then how she had them recorded calls from Tyler Perry and just how she was blackballed just for being who she is. And uh, like her, she always says that, you know, they respect everyone, but they don't over respect anyone right and i think that's just you know and then uh, lee daniels was trying to tell her to play nice which meant you know kiss ass and you know do what you can to keep these damn lights on so she was like fuck y'all i'm taking my ball and going home but i don't know if they hollywood now is kind of you know trying to usher her back in since dame dash exposed lee daniels and then since she released those phone calls they kind of uh you know proved her innocence and proved that she wasn't in the wrong but mo goes on this local tv news and she does me like this man and it, it, it hurt because you know she was preaching this whole black empowerment thing you know getting black folks on point with her and then she was trying to get all women together of all shades you know from black red yellow brown white you know um trying to get all women on the same page like hey you know this is discrimination you know how netflix did her and we should boycott netflix so she had the black community you know kind of riding with her like okay i feel where you're coming from mo you know this is you know this is an unjust racist ass hollywood you know that's what it is it is what it is and you know she had the women on there like okay cool you know we're we're living in this age where women are you know finally you know feeling comfortable enough to uh to speak out and to uh call a spade a spade and hold you know men accountable for uh their actions you know what i'm saying and not sweeping shit up under the rug and you know just really not taking shit not letting shit roll off their back you know they calling people out and you know holding people accountable and holding motherfuckers feet to the fire so we're in this women's empowerment age which is a beautiful thing and so you know then you have you know mo go out and defends roseanne and she's talking about that's her sister in comedy that she just needs to apologize and sit down with the uh the valerie lady the former obama aide or assistant and my question to mo would be did roseanne at all reach out to you when she had her show when it was on abc you know did she reach out to you or sydney at all during the time you know that she was blackballed you know uh did she contact you when the show got the green light from abc you know for a walk-on role or to be a writer or some kind of you know associate producer or guest star um i just i don't get it you know i feel like this is just going on the whole flip side to show that she can get along and play nice with white folks like i i really don't get that at all you know we can't be out here just hopping on grenades for white supremacy y'all remember that scene in uh the first captain america when uh steve rogers and uh i forgot tommy lee jones character when he was trying to go out for the army and he you know threw he threw he was like live grenade he was just testing them and then steve rogers jumped on it and then that's how they knew that he had enough heart for the super super soldier serum or whatever right but you know we can't so to speak you know jump on these grenades for white supremacists and thinking we're gonna be injected you know with some kind of super negro serum you know what i'm saying i wish i could have said that smoother but i didn't but you know what I'm saying, you know, to get some nigga trinkets, you know, to get back good in with Hollywood and shit like that. Because I don't know if she's being starved out. I don't know how her money's looking. I don't know. You know, she, you know, once your money starts looking funny, you do get a little hard up for some change. 
You know what I'm saying? But shit, she could start doing some sponsors ad, sponsored ads on her social media platforms because she has a huge following. Um, there's all kinds of ways to hustle up some shit. But, you know, this was really heartbreaking to see that. Um, you know, and like I said before, I just hope it isn't a ploy, you know, for her to show Hollywood that she can play nice with others. You know, um, that, that was really heartbreaking to see that and to see her just kind of come out and defend Roseanne's actions. You know, Roseanne was saying some vile shit, you know, across the board and, you know, started speaking in dog whistles. And then she just said, fuck it, you know, and just started shouting, you know, the dog whistles just turned <clears throat> turned into yelling. So that was just kind of fucked up. So, Mo, you, you looking a real funny in the light, you know. My love, you're looking real funny in the light, and it's it's tough because uh, you know I always was a fan of Monique, and I, I appreciate what she was doing, and I saw what she was trying to do, but now it's kind of looking like okay, this angle of being, you know, getting with these black folks and empowering women, this ain't working. So let me you know coon it up a little bit. Let me you know put a little bit, put some black paint around my eyes and look a little bit like a coon, you know. Um, so I, I don't I just don't know. It just looks she looks real funny in the light. You know, her and Sydney looking funny in the light defending this woman. But um let's move on. So it looks like uh right now um a piece of history has been auctioned off and I think it's coming back to Harlem. So uh this has been speculation, rumors for I don't know for years, for decades about um yeah for uh yeah about 20 almost 30 years something like that that there was a missing chapter in the autobiography of malcolm x and it's actually been found uh the manuscript has been found is actually titled uh the negro chapter 15 the negro um I don't know where it came from, but all of a sudden it just popped up at a Manhattan auction house uh, last Thursday. And um, it, I, I guess they said it's legit. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah. And um, yeah, it was picked up by the um, New York Public Library uh, Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture. Um, yeah, they picked it up for about seven racks, which was crazy. I'm like, just seven racks for this is handwritten. Um, you would think it goes for more, but I hope it's not some kind of do uh, doctored up, you know, fake shit. But I guess somebody proved the uh, authenticity of it, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully, um, see what happens and hopefully you know they can print it out and uh, or type it up and we'll see exactly what it was and I want to know why it wasn't um, uh, you know why I didn't make the the final cut you know or the final print of the book uh, I would maybe he was just talking too raw in that because you know Malcolm was very sharp he was very sharp and precise with his words and uh, that man he could man with his words it was like a hot knife to butter you know when he wanted to get to the point he gets straight to the point you just be there like oh oh this makes sense it makes perfect sense and, you know just very sharp and precise so we'll see what happens uh with this uh, there's a couple of pages on this uh, new york times um article about this but i think that's great because like uh, you always heard about it um but it's about 25 pages and uh and i think it's going to stay in harlem i think that's in harlem um that place that schomburg place so that's pretty dope you know nobody selfish got it who was just like oh, i'm gonna keep this all to myself you know some some uh, whole shit so we'll see what happens and uh who knows there might be uh more chapters out there about brother malcolm um let's see what else is going on on this good old summer jam screen i might have to cut it short because we creeping up on half an hour and i don't want to do another super long show um 
Let's see what else is going on in the news. I don't think it ain't been too much going on in the news, honestly. No, I guess ain't shit really uh, popping online. Only thing I saw else was, uh, I guess, uh, the Mean Streets Omaha uh, Twitter page imploded. And there was like seven people working for it. And uh, I guess the original owner, he just started tweeting out cuss words last night and just some weirdo shit. So if you don't know, Mean Streets Omaha is a Twitter page that and it's a Facebook page. It actually just reports on crimes going through uh, the city and keep you update on traffic and shit like that. And they actually uh, partner with law enforcement and other city officials about, you know, different things that was going on in the city. Uh, they had about what 140,000 uh, followers and shit like that and then uh, I guess one of the guys who tweeted for the account made a thread um, talking about how the original owner would just would be spazzing out in the morning like early mornings just tweeting dumb shit so uh, you know they would delete it and you know just report on what was happening you know as far as the police scanners uh fire you know ambulance uh you know road crews and shit like that and people would report crimes and different things like that to them or uh you know different sites around the city but uh that's it uh so uh you know what let me holler at my man hove hove what you gotta say don't be the next get tested on that summer jam screen i smoke rocks i smoke rocks all right thank you tyrone biggums for that lovely intro of selling hope like dope as always i got that three dollars under the doormat by the back door uh so go ahead and get that and uh gonna have you a good time out here all right so moving on to selling hope like dope uh we have to give it to a uh, georgia representative uh jason spencer now this georgia representative was being racist as fuck on the showtime uh show uh sasha baron cohen show uh, who is america so it's a show kind of like ali g you know where uh cohen is uh, you know he's dressed up as a israeli tactical specialist and he's pretty much trolling our uh public officials and uh lawmakers in showing how bigoted and insane they are so he's doing a sort of hand-to-hand combat training with representative spencer now this guy if this name sounds familiar he's been in the news before for telling one of his colleagues a democratic black woman LaDawn Jones who used to be a representative who was now a lawyer uh, that she would go missing if any of the confederate statues in Georgia came down due to her introduction of a bill or her you know uh, championing or lobbying for those uh, stat confederate statues to be brought down and he also had House Bill 3 in Georgia, which would make it illegal for people to cover their faces in public in response to Muslim women rocking their burqas. So if you watch the YouTube clip uh, that I'll have in the show notes, he says, and I quote, I don't call it a burqa ban. I call it an anti-masking statute. You know, to win in the legal system in the U.S., you cannot... Uh, be against the first amendment so he's he's a master with words you know a lot of these uh low-key white supremacists are very good with their words and their wording to get around legal jargon right so uh you just see how he plays with his words to get around freedom of expression right and that includes religious freedoms uh so these are your lawmakers every day uh, manipulating words to violate your rights and to turn the tide in their favor so I'll make sure you peep that uh, show uh, the YouTube clip in the show notes on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to or SoundCloud and uh, so he's going to step down because in the video uh, uh, Cohen convinces him to uh, say something super offensive to scare off uh, you know ISIS or Islamic terrorists and uh, so he drops his pants and he's r- running around in his drawers screaming nigger at the top of his lungs. Like this man is being filmed in a boxing gym with his pants down to his ankles screaming nigger. And this is a Georgia state representative. This is wild. Crazy as cat shit. Just batshit crazy. And then when the episode finally came out. 
He's talking about that he's stepping down. You know, as of August, he should be stepping down. Um, but these are your lawmakers here. These are your people who are representing you at the Capitol in your state and up on Capitol Hill in D.C. These are your people who are representing you. Fucking idiots. And this guy was actually, uh, he actually uh, got a degree from the uh, UNMC here. And uh, he's a, I think he's a product of uh, uh, being down at Offutt, the um, Air Force Base down in Bellevue, just south of Omaha. Um, it just looks like a plum fool. I mean, you can go on this YouTube page of of this show, Who Is America, and you just see just how idiotic these lawmakers and these politicians are. Just dumb. And these are the people who are supposed to be representing the people just fucking idiots and it's it's amazing to me that we are paying these people salaries out of our taxes and this is how they out here acting and i feel like if we ever made a case for reparations for uh you know black americans aka the lost tribe of africa um we should stop paying federal taxes that should just be in the settlement that we should stop paying federal taxes because not one of these politicians is doing anything in their power to help black Americans get up out of this racial uh, wealth uh, inequality and these state sanctioned killings, these legal lynchings that's going on right now. And you just have fucking idiots representing you. There's always a story about uh, some official or lawmaker or politician, whatever the fuck you want to call them, doing something stupid on social media, television, just something idiotic. And these people don't, I believe they don't take their job seriously at all. It's just all about pushing their own agenda and uh, being loyal to a certain group of voters out there. But um, make sure y'all watch that YouTube clip. Because that was the most fascinating part to me. It wasn't about him running around screaming nigger to, at the top of his lungs. Because you suspect somebody like that to just do that, you know, in the comfort of their own home or with some friends and buddies, you know. They probably throw around the, the N-word, you know, just like it's a day of the week or something. You know what I'm saying? Any day that ends in Y, they saying nigger. But that was fascinating to me how he admitted how you have to manipulate words to get around the Constitution when you're introducing a bill to become a law. That's amazing to me. And, uh, you know, black folks have been talking about systemic racism and just how lawmakers manipulate words and things like that to get around violating your constitutional rights. And, uh, you know, I've been screaming that for years, but it's amazing to me to hear a representative actually admit it. Um, but yeah, that's been um, your man's uh, Jason Spencer uh, selling hope like dope. You know, he thought he was going to push some agenda and uh, he got caught saying the uh, the N word saying nigga until the, the cows came home. And lo and behold, he had to step the fuck down because he didn't codify his racism. He just came on out and said it selling hope like dope. It's a dirty hot bag and somebody OD'd and his career suffered. This portion of Do Rags and Boat Shoes has been brought to you by the letter L as in, Hey yo my guy, my hands are full, give me a hand here, can you hold this L? Alright, so moving on to holding this L, it's obvious who we have to give it to, uh, very easy. Uh, your man's uh, Mr. Prescott, uh, Dak Prescott. Um, this this Negro was basically asked about the protests and what was going on, and he was basically just shitting on it as a form of resistance, um, pretty much saying that, you know, that uh, this sport, football, is an escape for many Americans, and that's not the time to uh, bring awareness to injustice, to racial injustice. And, uh, you know, this is just him being a good old boy, making sure that uh, he can keep his spot on the team. Um, you know, Jerry Jones said that he would, I think, let go or bench anybody who did protest or stay in the locker room. Everybody has to come out and stand for the flag. And this man is just falling right in line. Dak Prescott is. I mean, this is so-called America's team. Um, this is, uh, you know, utterly disgusting. 
if he had them kind of views and he didn't want to alienate his black uh, fans or his fans that uh, are all about justice for everyone no matter what you know race color creed sexuality um he would have just you know said next question you know he, he should have done some shit like that but he wanted to open his mouth up and let uh massa so to speak uh know where he stood and he will stand for the flag and uh this was never about disrespecting the flag or the troops it was about bringing attention to the racial injustice and the legal lynchings that's been going on in america for so damn long and my question to dak prescott is when is the right time to bring you know this issue up you see what i'm saying this is uh an issue dr king had with the white uh moderates you know talking about now is not the time but when is the time for justice you know when is the right time to speak about justice and to fight for justice you know uh because everything because shit is all sweet for him but i guarantee if he had an issue with a run-in with the the law enforcement or something like that he'd be down on two knees doing the national anthem you see what i'm saying uh but that negro is comfortable making you know millions of dollars and uh you know he's secluded and he's not dealing with anything right now but but as you know anybody can get it we just seen recently ving rames had the cops called on him and had weapons drawn on him for going into his own damn house and his neighbors said whoever called the cops one of his neighbors said that a black man was breaking into a house this man was just entering his own damn house and this is ving rames you know a movie star and you your fucking neighbors know you they know you they see your black ass driving up and down the street going into your house day in and day out and then they go ahead and call the cops this was a planned execution they was hoping that some race soldiers showed up but luckily one of the officers did recognize ving rames i know the other ones probably did too but they wanted to you know take down a big black buck but uh the other officer called them off um, but as far as Dak Prescott and white moderates, you know, they, we call them centrists now, who just kind of sit in the middle and just sit on the fence and, you know, they don't they don't go either way. That's very dangerous. And, you know, keep on telling people to wait for justice. It's just and you don't want to inconvenience football fans. I mean, how much of an inconvenience is it? Is it to be black in America? Is it, they, they make it a goddamn inconvenience just based on your damn skin color. You see what I'm saying with the poor housing, school to prison pipeline. I mean, uh, the killings. I mean, you can be killed with impunity by a white person here in America. Nine times out of ten. That's a very high percentage. You know, um, it's very disgusting to see an athlete come out and say that. And uh, Colin Kaepernick is still not on a team. And you can see why they plotted and uh you know to keep this man up off of a team and it's fucked up it's very fucked up but as long as you have negroes like prescott in the league you know ain't shit gonna change you know but my question again to him is when is the right time to fight for justice or to bring awareness to an unjust system when will it be convenient for you is it you know sunday morning at 4 a.m when everybody's still sleeping you know recovering from the weekend I mean, is it, you know, Friday afternoon, you know, about 2.30 p.m. when everybody's in the office working and can't see what's going on? When is the right time? Is it a special holiday? Is it a certain hour, a certain day of the week? Is there a certain place that we should convene at and link up? But, uh, you know, I seen that he posted about LeBron James opening up the school and people are in his mentions just cooking them, and rightfully so on Instagram. They are cooking this man's mentions, and I love it. I love it so much. And then he went and posted uh, a picture of him, you know, at practice, talking about tunnel vision. No, niggas done got to your ass. You sitting up there reading them comments, and you feeling like shit. And it rightfully so, because you knew you fucked up. You done fucked up, Dak. And, uh, you know, long as Kaepernick hasn't been signed, uh, this will be another year that I don't watch any football at all. You know, as, as you know, people at work ask me, oh, you know, how'd you how'd your team do in the draft? You know, uh, a few months back, 
and I, I didn't know. I was just like, oh man, I didn't even catch it, you know. And uh, you know, people are asking me, am I excited about the upcoming season? I'm just like, I don't think I'm watching this this season again. They're just like, oh, why? No, I just don't feel like it. You know, I don't go into the whole details and shit like that because, you know, they'll run right to HR and, you know, lie on me saying I'm a black identity extremist or some shit like that. And lo and behold, I'll be up out of a job or some shit like that. But, you know, I'm very disappointed in the NFL. Fuck the NFL. Um, fuck the Players Association for uh, not really fighting back. And fuck all the players too, man. Just all of them. Fuck them. You know, if if y'all gonna continue to play, I know you gotta do what you can to keep the lights on. But man, if if y'all just really stood together, I mean, y'all make the game. The players do. I just don't know why y'all have this fucked up mentality of, you know, not linking up together. You know, and just I know you guys have sort of a union with the players' association, but. Man, if all the black players and the non-racist white players linked up and just just set out one fucking game, one game, you know, th- that would be amazing. You know what I'm saying? Or just force the lockout. You know what I'm saying? The NBA used to do that all the time, but that was about money. But yeah, just just fo- force a lockout. That's that, I mean, you guys have the power, you, but you up here acting like fucking slaves on a plantation that you just scared you know but at the same time it's that whole individualism thing you know i'm just worried about me and mine i'm not them niggas yet until you catch a knee in your back or a bullet to the face you know from a race soldier pretending to be a cop so you know it is what it is but um dak prescott i am disgusted at you um you know this would be another season that i don't watch football like i said if cap doesn't get signed and he probably won't but uh i see you trying to do what you can to keep the lights on and i know when the revolution starts i know not to phone you at all you have to hold this l you win perfect all right so moving on to not all heroes wear capes we have to give it to lebron james uh, small forward from the uh, L.A. Lakers now. Uh, we have to give them all the love and respect for the I Promise School. So this is a school that he started up with his foundation and his own millions of dollars that he put into the school along with other donations. Um, it's an amazing thing for uh, third and fourth graders. I believe that's where it starts out. At. And what's amazing about this school is... Uh, you know he thought about how he grew up and he wanted to implement you know the challenges he faced and come up with solutions for that and put that into this school so the i promise school uh what it entails is free tuition uh free uniforms free bicycle and helmet for all the students uh free transportation within two miles uh free breakfast lunch and snacks there's even a food pantry for families and this is dope right here uh geds and job placement services for parents and guaranteed tuition to the university of akron for every student who graduates from the i promise school um that is just simply amazing uh there is nothing more that i really can say about this um a lot of the there's like 100 and what 14 sneakers on the wall that he wore in games and he's going to auction off one of those sneakers, each one of those sneakers, and uh, the money goes to the school. And uh, this is just something amazing. This is uh, raising the bar on expectations of um, athletes. You know, athletes have to stop with the whole, um, you know, being selfish. They have to really think about their communities and really just kind of step it up. That's because this man just opened a whole school and he's offering these kids, you know, a way out, which is amazing. And this is like a school to college pipeline instead of a school to prison pipeline. Um, So I just hope all these kids and the parents really take advantage of all the stuff that LeBron James and the I Promise School is offering. Um, This is a beautiful thing for the people of Akron, Ohio, and uh, 
this is this is how you change your community and what's funny is you know we used to make fun of people who used to say this all the time i remember growing up um the ogs on the block and uh and other cats used to you know always talk about like mj and uh, magic johnson and shit like that having all this money and they don't give back to the hoods and things like that and you were just thinking like well nigga why don't you do it you know what i'm saying but these were you know just just niggas shooting the shit but then you see it actually happens i know Jalen rose opened the school too um but you just see it happening on this level and you're like oh so it can be done you know i remember uh oprah faced some backlash for opening her school in africa as opposed to opening up a school in chicago um you know where her show was based out of because you know black americans you know the lost tribes of africa the folks of the lost tribe of africa you know was kind of suffering at home it's like oh you just gonna build a school you know right in africa but you know to see this come to fruition and i know a few folks that was making fun of niggas saying that you know these athletes and these rappers and stuff making all these millions of dollars really need to you know invest back in their neighborhoods and places where they grew up and you're just like oh man just let them niggas be you know black man get your money you know it's just that thinking of that selfishness of you know just keeping your money and holding on to it but to do something like this is just amazing just to actually see it happening and y'all stop uh fucking with dr umar right man y'all i seen so many posts on twitter and instagram of y'all talking about lebron james can make a school and uh we still waiting on dr umar school let, let, leave dr umar alone he's been going through some shit and uh i don't know what happened to that money um but you know lebron is you know a billionaire now because he signed that deal with uh nike he's a billion dollar athlete with them just off of that alone and his sponsorships not even you know looking at you know how much he made off of basketball um and other you know ventures that he has but man y'all leave umar alone just just let him keep talking on the internet and uh you know selling that hope like dope and you know inspiring folks online putting a battery in their back and helping you know some black folks stand up straight man y'all leave umar alone you know that's kind of fucked up that y'all cooking that man like that and you know trying to get a reaction up out of him um i just hope he don't make a video shitting on lebron in his school i, I just i really don't want to see that um but i wish umar would have got some help reached out to folks and uh not get caught up on this you know on the ego tip you know i wish he would have wish he would have reached out to some folks to get some help about you know getting his school started and you know keep the people at heart um hopefully he can still come out because i just hate to see how this brother just fell from grace you know he was in the hidden colors and then you know he started you know getting too big for his britches and he was and he started beefing with the brother Tariq and it just got ugly and now he just doing Facebook rants and stuff like that you know I really would like to see him open up that school because he has some great ideas um, you know especially for black boys and uh, helping them out and uh, getting them to where they need to be and to be able to compete you know in America and be a thriving force you know in the in the u.s but uh yeah that was just kind of fucked up seeing people cook umar like that but i don't want to make this all about him but just shout out to lebron james and this i it might have a ripple effect because i just seen today um that derrick rose uh has a uh scholarship for like four hundred thousand dollars or something like that to uh, help some kids out uh getting into college and things of that sort so hopefully you know uh this will make more athletes become philanthropic and uh not just for tax reasons but to actually keep kids in that in the community where they grew up in their heart you know and uh it's just a beautiful thing you know i have nothing but love and respect for lebron james and the i promise school and you know i wish all them little kids the best and i just want them to keep thriving and uh you know really take advantage of the program 
and uh, you know, shout out to him for actually keeping the parents in mind by offering you know job placement services, GEDs, um, and you know a pantry because that's huge right there. That is that is huge. That's large, and uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. Not all heroes wear capes. You know, some of them wear the number twenty three and they build schools. All right, so moving on to the last portion of the show. Uh, health over wealth you know what i say without your health you cannot enjoy your wealth and please make sure you stay tuned for uh lesson two of the g code after this show goes off so just keep on listening and it will pop up for you hopefully y'all like the uh, first lesson and hopefully you will like the second lesson but health over wealth this comes from the ashanti people all right so this quote says do not let what you cannot do tear from your hands what you can again do not let what you cannot do tear from your hands what you can and for me looking at this uh, quote it's all about self-doubt and how that really kind of hinders your progress when you start to doubt yourself right so a lot of times when we're facing a large challenge we like to um you know we get afraid once you know once things start rolling and coming in you know uh, once you start taking them first action steps then all of a sudden doubt kind of comes in and it's like oh but i don't know how to do this i don't know how to do that it's kind of like when i was starting this podcast it was like i don't know how to edit i'm not that smart um what the fuck am i going to talk about um you know, it was one of those things like, am I too boring? I know I'm pretty funny in a conversational sense. Uh, will people listen? Will they not? And then lo and behold, here I am getting across platforms. You know, uh, for every 90 days, I'm doing about uh, close to 3,000 listens. Um, so that's not bad at all when I'm checking my pod track stats. And that's across Stitcher, um, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And uh, some other uh, podcast websites have started posting do rags and boat shoes also. And so right now, what I'm struggling with right now is uh, I'm getting companies hitting me up like Dynamo. And uh, there's a couple of other firms that want to sell ads on my podcast. So now I'm struggling with, uh, you know, so this is where the monetization monetizing the podcast this is where this is coming in this you know it's a little scary for me just because um i don't want to be trying to sell a bullshit product and then on top of that i'm thinking will i have enough plays to actually generate some revenue which i do um but how much are they paying out and i don't want to compromise the integrity of the podcast um just because of my demographic and i don't want it to you know be some ads that you know that just just feels uh forced you know what i'm saying and uh something that my people won't buy um so that's what i'm just kind of struggling with so that doubt is there so i'm giving every excuse in the world to you know not get paid off what i like doing and i love doing this podcast because it forces me to read it forces me to learn uh you know and i love telling people about shit that i learned like a little kid you know i feel like a little kid coming home from school you know sitting at the dinner table uh with his folks you know mom and dad and uh you know tell them all about i learned you know telling everybody about what i learned you know what i'm saying like your little brother and stuff like oh i learned about this this and this and that's how excited i get doing this podcast um so i'm just you know it's, it's that doubt that's just kind of setting in and like am i really good enough to have monetized ads you know on this podcast so you know i really gotta shake that shit and just make a damn decision and just go with it and stay confident and believe in myself and i know you guys are facing you know challenges of your own and about chasing your own dreams too but that doubt just kind of comes in and it just really kind of kind of fucks with you you know so that's why i chose that quote um and i feel like i'm just trying to talking out a solution myself but hopefully you guys can relate uh you know if you're facing some kind of big challenge and you know turning a passion into uh, a career so to speak but you always just have to remain 
you know in the moment and always write things down step by step and don't question the process you have to trust the process i feel like i'm joel Embiid, and that's the center for the uh the uh, 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he always talking about trust the process because he got hurt when he got drafted, and uh, he had to quote unquote trust the process with the team doctors and to be able to get back on the floor. And now he's an All Star, and he did trust the process. But you can't question the process. You just have to trust it, and you have to have this feeling that you will accomplish it. And deep down, I feel like I will get to that point where I can monetize the podcast and. Um, you know, make a great deal amount of uh, money or at least enough money to, you know, just kind of tuck it away into our savings account, you know, into one of our savings accounts and, you know, use that money to, you know, build the brand even stronger, you know, get some merchandise out here and, uh, you know, get some guests on the show uh, to spread some knowledge and kick some jewels. But I just don't want y'all to give up you know because self-doubt is a disgusting thing but you know it can fuel you um if you ever grown up in athletics and you know you you do something very hard and you actually get it done you know the coach is pushing you to do something that you've never done before and you actually do it and then you get good at it you know that's so you can look at self-doubt as a challenge but don't let it consume you to the point where you just thinking 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 and you're not moving forward okay so i have nothing but love and respect to everybody out there um thank you for tuning in to episode 128 of do rags and boat shoes so please stay tuned for lesson two of the g code as always one Welcome to the G Code. Code. All right. Thank you to myself and Tyrone Biggums for this uh, episode two or lesson two from the G Code. And um, so this G Code lesson is uh, pretty easy. Um, well, it's easier said than done. I will say that if you have an immature mind. So this G-Code lesson, gentleman's code, gangsta's code, whatever you want to call it, uh, is uh, you always lose money chasing women. You will never lose women chasing money. Okay, so this is basically about staying the course, staying focused on your paper, on your bread, doing what you got to do to keep the lights on and to stop bullshitting and chasing after women other things that will not help you further progress into getting your weight up in this game of life and i know we all know somebody or we are that somebody that would rather go out and have some fun and bullshit and you know chase after some women and instead of actually handling business you know what i'm saying a lot of us uh you know want to put some extra money in our pocket and shit like that but we don't want to do the work for it or we ain't even got a fucking job but we just sitting up here being dusty and chasing after women on facebook trying to find another couch to sleep on and shit like that you know what i'm saying trying to be laid up under somebody you looking for a mama that'll give you give you a little bit of that thing and uh, you're going about your business you're looking for somebody to take care of you you know what i'm saying instead of holding your own handling your business getting your weight up and let that woman come to you because women do the choosing they always do the choosing i don't care how hard you fellas you say that you you out here you know getting these women and things like that you always get chose the women do the choosing you know so even if you a dusty nigga out here plotting on another couch and shit like that the woman gonna choose you because maybe she likes your potential or you funny or some shit like that but you have to live up to that potential and you know uh not to be sexist or anything like this but this applies to women too um you know sometimes uh women get stuck trying to be uh traditionalist and just try to find a good man to take care of them so they do all this shit trying to be more appealing to men and things like that when they should just be focused on improving themselves loving themselves and you know you know that your your uh 
your options to choose for men will grow you know the the better that you elevate yourself and uh start doing for self and you know have your own amazing career and you know living your best life um so it does apply to women also but it's just don't go looking for love if your shit ain't right you know if you don't have a plan out here and you're not executing that plan don't be out here trying to you know um be out here laid up under somebody because you're just going to end up wasting time and nobody wants and you're going to waste the other person's time too because they could have fell in love with your potential and shit like that and then you'll end up being the biggest mistake of that person's life and then you stuck on the same dusty ass trail you know finding out trying to figure out what's the other person that i could go to what's this other person's house i can go to instead of you know handling your business getting your own spot you know maybe getting your degree or getting a certificate or certification into something that is going to elevate you or get your brand popping and start making money up off your brand so you have to stop bullshitting and looking for love in all the wrong places i know this sounds very cliche but if you Work on yourself, and it goes for men and women. If you work on yourself and start reaching your goals, you know, women will choose you, and ladies, your pool to choose from will get larger as far as quality men. If you put yourself in a quality position in life and in quality spaces, all right? So, this is a quick lesson. It's an easy lesson to say, but it's harder to do. You know, because I know a lot of immature fellas out there like to think with the little head instead of the big one and look for that instant gratification instead of, you know, getting that hard work in and, you know, what whatever is greater will come later. They don't think like that. But you have to stay on your grind, uh, stay t- 10 toes down and, you know, stop chasing after these women and stop being so goddamn thirsty out here. I know it makes it so easy with a smartphone, just a few swipes or a few clicks or some buttons. And you falling into some pussy, but you know what? Use that same smartphone to get your money up, get your weight up, and uh, be a boss out here. So that's been lesson two of the G code. I want y'all to uh, stay tuned for uh, lesson three, and I will see y'all next time. All right, and as always, I love y'all. Be safe out there, and always practice the G code. One.